So, Neil, was that Instagram story about the wine really true? 100%. Come on. Yes. he. The, the part of the story that he didn't tell you was he went to use the bathroom with his disposable... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Start from the beginning. <sighs> All right. Start from the beginning. So I went to buy a bottle of wine last week from a local shop trying to support, you know, our small businesses in this, this crazy time. And I got to talking to the gentleman. Now, after I made the purchase, I'm holding the bottle of wine with my hands. A little bit worried about COVID, obviously. But he's telling me the story about how he can't stand wearing these latex gloves throughout the whole day which I totally get because in the Instagram story, I said the same thing. I hate wearing gloves at work. But then he proceeds to tell me how when he goes to use the bathroom with his disposable gloves on, right, disposable here, he has a really difficult time feeling everything (laughs) that's going on down there. I mean, he's telling me the story. Come on. And I'm thinking the whole time, dude, why don't you just take the gloves off Throw them away, do your business, and put a new pair on. But then he says when he's done, as a precautionary method, he takes hand sanitizer and washes down the gloves like he would wash his hands, and it goes back to work. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like, it was crazy. So is this the bottle of wine that I touched as well, just so I know? I sterilized it. (laughs) (laughs) Like 10 times over. Unbelievable. What are you guys doing? The Landscapes and Pancakes Podcast. Wow. There are a gajillion aspects to the green industry. All right. I just want this podcast to be real. (laughs) Interesting. It's not always fun. What? But I think people go through this. I know. None of it makes sense. Seriously. We are the ones designing and we are the ones building. We respect each other. Respect. So I need to talk to you. Okay. You are on your phone a lot. More than normal? Well, I think normal is a lot. Oh, I've tried to be better about that. Yeah. So listen, I get it. I know that you, what do we call you, our social media manager? Yeah, I'm the liaison. All social media. (laughs) Liaison to what? All social media has to go through me. I don't know. I guess I want to have this conversation about whether the time that you put in, and that I put into, um, whether or not you feel like it's worth it. You know, and I don't why and mm. why are we putting so much time into it? Well, a, I feel like we have to, I'll fully admit that right to keep up with the world. I kind of ebb and flow with enjoying it. To be quite honest with you, there are just some weeks I just, I get really amped up and involved in it and I like it. And then I kind of like burn out for a little while. So I'm hot and cold with it. Um, but you know, ultimately I feel like we have to, we haven't really gotten work out of it. I mean, I'll say this. The one thing that I do like about it right now is I like that. I like the connection with other people in the business because I do feel like it's so easy to kind of get lost in your own little bubble in your day to day that it's always great to hear what other people are going through and how similar it is to you and obviously being inspired by other people's images. But I think what it comes down to, I don't necessarily feel like it's a way for us to get work. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I think there are benefits to it, but I haven't seen that there are benefits in terms of getting us work. And I mean, I think we've been probably pretty lucky because we've been so referral based throughout our business career. Yeah. But I think you're naive to think that maybe your mindset has to change in order to get work from it. Cause if you go into it with a mindset, like you're not going to get work from it, if you don't strive for that, then 
I just feel like it's it's just like anything else. It's not going to happen for you. I understand what you're saying. It's just it's another angle that we can go to to get our brand out there. Um, and, and it's free, right? Remember, I, and it's free, and I bring that up because remember the time when we almost, well, we considered spending $5,000 on a print ad. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was uh, Design New England. Right. That was a long time ago. Uh, we were kind of daydreaming at that point. We never... We didn't have the money to do that at that point, no obviously. No way. But you, you look at that. Okay, so where we were in our business at that point, I feel like is where we are now with social media because we've been kind of like latecomers to the process. I've been really suspect of it initially. Um, and I think that stemmed from Facebook because I had a Facebook page years ago that I got rid of. I and mean, this was going back, I think, to, geez, uh, it's definitely previous administrations where it just got so political and everyone was just so miserable for the most part where I knew people that were sweet people that on Facebook were like a 180. And I just, I started to get really judgmental. So I was, I got really turned off um, uh, for, uh, with, with social media at that point in my life. I got rid of my Facebook page and it was very liberating. And this was before Instagram. So when Instagram came out, it took me, well, it took us a few years to even think about using it. So, but where we were with the print ad at that point in our business was so long ago. What ended up happening? We ended up working towards that. We always said we wanted to be in that magazine. So we worked towards that and we worked towards that. And we met the right people. And lo and behold, we got some very good um, articles published in that magazine. Yes. So maybe that's where we are right now with social media if you see what I'm saying, because we're a little bit late to the game with that. So who knows? And, I, and also, I mean, I got the extreme makeover audition, Samantha. We had like just over 1,000 people on our page at that point. We were doing almost diddly squat with our page, but I had a couple stand-up videos where I was explaining um, some of the processes, what we did, and then for whatever reason, somebody saw me, liked what I was doing, and I was one of you know the 15 people asked to audition for that show. So in my mind, you never know who's watching, you never know what's going to come out of it. I mean, you don't need that proof right there. You don't need 100,000 followers to have some huge impact in your life that could change things for you. Wow. That was a lot of words that just came out of your mouth <laughs> as I was sitting here patiently. Well, was it, I mean, it's all true. I mean, it's just, that's how I look at it. I know. Well, I wanted to kind of talk about thinking about how our biggest marketing expenditure for a long time was actually doing flower shows. Oh, yes. The flower shows were really great for a certain amount of time because you could put so much creativity into thinking about what you wanted to do, just mm -hmm. things you couldn't normally do in people's yards. But the amount of money that you had to put in and the amount of time that you had to put in to come up with a display that was worth showing, it was always questionable about if you were going to get any return out of that. And I will say that we were lucky that... After our, I think it was our second flower show. Yeah, it was our second flower show. That season, we actually did get a referral for our, um, one of our favorite projects, the Stone Cottage. Yeah, yeah. And then we continued to do them a few years after that. We even did some home shows too. Mm -hmm. um, and then we finally just put the kibosh on all of that. So I will say, you know, again, in a way, Instagram has taken over that, that brain power in a way, and it's free, which is... Right. Definitely right. quite nice. We've tried to, what happened? Somehow we got logged out of Facebook for a while, right? I mean, months. Yeah, and we, I don't know we ignored happened. it and we had a couple people inquire about our services 
through the messenger service on Facebook. Um, we recently just got back back at it like a month ago. We were both kind of shocked, like, whoa, people actually They messaged, did reach out to us. Us. <laughs> I guess but, it was working. <laughs> yeah, but then I look at and maybe this is the wrong attitude to have. It probably is, but I look at it like if they're just messaging us through Facebook and not actually going onto our website and hitting us up through our contact page, then how serious are they? I mean, maybe we lost out on like a $500,000 job. I have no idea. We got to pick up on our game a little bit for sure. Well, um, the irony of, of all this talk is that uh, last summer we had one of the best projects we've ever had yeah. come to us, and this client had held onto our business card for five years because she did see us at the Boston Flower Show, and she was just waiting for a point when her family was ready for us. Um, so that kind of made me question all yeah. of our thinking. And then the other day we got our first referral or, or, um, request to, um, potentially start a new project through Instagram for somebody. The bottom line is there is no perfect marketing answer. There's right. absolutely no perfect marketing answer. But you can certainly be smart with your marketing dollars, um, and not have to put in the amount of time and labor <laughs> that we put into our 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 flower shows with that being said we did everything with natural stone like when we did the stone cottage we actually i actually built that thing off site took these detailed pictures of every single stone and marked every single stone and made a grid so i could put it back together at the um the convention center there so well actually i would like some credit yes. because i actually took all the photographs and marked every single stone well, you also came up with the concept because i wanted to, what did i want to do that year it was something that you ridiculed Probably something me for. stupid. Well, it was something, I guess, mundane. And Samantha came up with, well, let's build a stone cottage. Literally, like a full-on model of a stone cottage. So, um, With a water feature. Yeah, I think I insisted on that. Two water features. Well, the, the person who lived in the stone cottage had to have a little well pump. Yep, and a little heart moon gate. Oh, my gosh. That, so, yeah. That almost fell down. But yeah. anyway, we should, <laughs> like we should move on. We should move on. Let's uh, let's get updated on your job site. The job site's going well. I finally got the electrician there. Hallelujah. So we're square up on that. That's right. We got the irrigation contractor there too. Yep. So we know what's going on with the irrigation. Yep. We have a plan going forward. Now the AV guy, he's the missing link. So <laughs> I've been trying to get him there for quite a while. Um, but I'm at a point where I don't want to continue without a detailed plan of what is happening, which means I need him on site. Because he gave us a little doodled plan. Didn't even specify what kind of conduit, you know, what size. Um, well, to be fair, he did say two inch. In a separate email. Thank you. But why, why can't people just put everything on a plan? He didn't even show where we need to come out of the house for this stuff. I mean, there's just, to me, it's just lazy. But whatever. You know, if you were going to submit a plan to somebody, you'd put as much information on that drawing as possible. So it's a courtesy so that contractor can continue with the work, right? That's how I see it. Well, I finally got my planting plan done in between teaching the kids math and geography and English. And oh anybody gosh. who knows me in math knows I should not be teaching my children math. So Samantha, how long or how many days did it take you to do a planting plan that it would have taken you to, you know, like a day to do? With the kids home. That's what I, I want to know. know. Like six days. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Seven days. I don't know. I feel for you. Um, but it's done, and I actually presented it this morning uh, via Zoom. Nice. Which is the first time I've definitely done any kind of online meeting like that. And, and that was, I mean, I think it went pretty well, but 
when I present planting plans, I think it's really important that I'm in front of people. I think it's really important they see how my face lights up when I talk yeah, about plants. You have so much enthusiasm. <laughs> so does that does that so, translate? I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they seemed they seem to understand it, but it's a lot of planting. So I hope that they understand the necessity of it. Um, but I'm I'm really excited. So if they go for it, I'm planting with plugs this time. This okay. is my first time doing such a large plug planting. Um, so that's really exciting. Now, what's the benefit to, to plugs? Cost. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so what the big factor for me was cost, but also, um, using them mostly in the pool area. So around the house, I'll do the traditional container plantings, Okay. but in the pool area, I wanted to use plugs because I'm doing much more of a meadow style planting. So it'll allow me to intermix my, uh, grasses, much more nicely with my perennials. Okay. Um, and also since I'll be using them a lot as a ground cover, it'll just be much easier to use the smaller plants. Plus with the boulders, I feel like I feel like there's going to be boulders in places where I can't see and I'm not expecting them. So I'll, oh, I'll right. have a lot more flexibility, I think, with placement of plants. So it should be awesome. Now that we've got all this out of the way, shall we move on to the next part of this podcast? Yes, we have, I can't even believe it, Sarah Bendrick in. We do. She said, yes. We did. And it this was, is our first remote interview too. So I know. we'll see how this goes. I know. I was so excited. Remember when we, we, we sent off the DM to her? We're wondering, is she going to say yes? <laughs> you think she'll say yes? And she did. So I'm pretty stoked. All right. Let's do this then. Yes. Super exciting. We have Sandra Bendrick. Sandra. Excuse me? Sandra, I know. I'm, already, like, I'm telling you not what to the be hell? nervous. <laughs> just start making you up know, names. I, I, I get that a few times a year in email. People call me Sandra, and I don't know what it is. There must be some sort of like connection between Sarah and Sandra. I think because um, I have your name written down, and I think because, I don't know, the Sarah and then the N and the D in your last name are like colliding together in my head. That's okay. Just call yeah. just call her Sam. She loves it when people call her Sam. No, I think it's a thing. It's for sure it happens to me and I don't I don't get why, but it does. <laughs> All right, I'm going to look very closely Good at what start. I have written down. All right. <laughs> All right. So we are super excited today to have Sarah Bendrick here. Sarah is a licensed landscape contractor and designer, TV host, author, and owner of Sarita Landscape Design. So Sarah, I have a very important thing to talk to you about right now. Are you ready? Okay. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about banjo. Because oh. <laughs> those eyes, every time you post a picture, I just melt. So tell me about oh. banjo, please. Yes. All right. So banjo, I share with my parents. So I'm like a part-time dog owner. Nice. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, especially because I travel a lot. So he is the sweetest. He is very timid. And like, he's like, we go on walks and like, literally he's like a celebrity. Like people are like, Oh my God, look at that dog. Look at his eyes. And, I, and he's a very shy dog. And so he's just like, leave me alone. <laughs> so what kind is, of dog is he? Is he a mix or a mutt or do you know? Total mutt. We thought he was like this, like regal, like Hungarian, like pointer or something. He ends up, he's like Chihuahua. What? <laughs> oh wow. Uh, Pitbull, German Shepherd, what? Chow Chow and Hound. Wow. Chow. I wonder where the eyes came from because they are the bluest of blue eyes. Yeah, it's really crazy. Um, yeah, my mom ended up picking him out uh, out of the out of the bunch of dogs, and she liked him because he was like 
shy and she just wanted an easygoing dog because they're getting older. And so um, she picked him and <laughs> he he's shy. But once he gets to know you, like he's totally like fond and friendly. But it's funny because like people, because I put him on my social media, people are like, oh, Banjo, Banjo. I'm like, we'll take him out. And <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. He's a sweetie. So, um, listen, I also happen to understand that you have a very special connection with my <laughs> husband. Wow. That I would like to um, get out in the I air. I wouldn't say and it was Neil, special. Would you like to well, confess? The last time we saw each other, Sarah, was in a Target late at night in Burbank, California. Go figure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever been up to that moment in a chemistry read? Was no. that a new experience for you? That was a new experience for me. I've never done that before either. Okay. Because yeah. it was uh-huh. totally out of left field for me. I mean, I was like a fish out of water. First of all, I'm flying out to LA <laughs> the day before. Wait, wait. So you have to, we have to backtrack oh, a little bit. Okay. What is this about? Nobody but you two knows okay, what this so is about, including Sa- me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but Sa- Sarah, and I, Sarah and I were, were on the same chemistry read together for Extreme. Extreme Home Makeover right. Edition. Right. right. So, yeah. so. Version two. Right. So Sarah has, you know, savvy TV personality. She's got all this stuff going for her and, you know, tens of thousands of followers on social media. And here I am, you know, out in Los Angeles. And I, the first time we met was inside a shuttle bus from yes. our hotel where there was like, I think, seven or eight of us out of towners, they called us. And they were mm-hmm. whisking us off to the studio the night before the read and I get into the van and there's all these beautiful people, you know, you bring a lot of beautiful people. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I kind of scurried my way to the back, you know, sat down next to Sarah. As a matter of fact, it was the one open seat and everybody introduces themselves. You know, I'm so-and-so I'm from here. I'm an interior designer. This is what I do. And all these amazing accolades. And, um, you know, Sarah's sitting next to me and she says who she's in, you know, and it's like, oh, wow, I'm sitting next to another landscape person. So it was totally just crazy for me. So what were you thinking, Sarah? So it was, I have done like, I had done TV in the past and I've gone on auditions, but I've never been in competition with other people for a spot. Usually like they pare it down, you do your own video and then they just do that all internally. And so like, here's this group of people and you're like, Hey friends. And I'm like, Oh, Neil competition. So Neil's putting on a good face or he's like, yeah. So I was like, Hey, there's the other landscape person. But in your head, you know, you're like, right. Oh, there's the other landscape person. Yep. And now, cause there was three of us, right? There's three, there's of, three us. of us. There's only room for one, and apparently room for none. <laughs> I know. <laughs> right, right, right. I know. Landscape got the shaft. Which is actually another reason why we want to do this podcast and talk to you <laughs> and other people in the industry, because we don't pretend to be architects. I just think that other people shouldn't, I shouldn't say pretend, but you know, this is our level of expertise. This is what we've dedicated our lives to, and there's a certain way to think about it. And so we need to get that out there. We need to get that message out there that we are the people to represent this industry. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's uh, <laughs> it's always interesting. I don't, like everyone says they want home and garden television and gardening this and that, but you don't see that much of it. And I don't know if it's because it's so regional. Um, and I know that whenever I've done television, we've always focused on the hardscape elements because mm-hmm. of that fact. Like a California native landscape is doesn't mean anything if you're in Minnesota. Right. 
But what brought you to the idea of even going to television? I mean, you studied landscape architecture in school, and we'll talk more about your experience, but um, while we're on the subject, I mean, what actually even brought you to the television world? Sure. So I studied landscape architecture, and I did design build for a few years, and I was looking for another gig. I graduated in 2010, and nobody was hiring for landscape because, you know, the economy uh -huh. just right. went. Of course, we're at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like how people spend their money. And so I found some job that was residential, which I never wanted to do. But I was like, whatever, it's a job in landscaping, I'll take it. And I did that for a few years and it was a small company. So I basically did all the sales, like led the design meetings and then worked alongside another designer to kind of create the designs. And then we would help with estimating and do like project visits. So I was kind of getting a lot of hands-on experience and a lot of exposure on the whole like gamut. And eventually I was like, you know what, I can either do this myself um, <laughs> or I go work for somebody else. So I was currently looking at other opportunities and I came across a newsletter from ASLA, which is the American Society of Landscape Architects. And um, they had in their newsletter that DIY Network was casting for a landscape show. Uh -huh. And I was like, oh, whatever, why not? Let's just apply to this email. Like I didn't have um, in front of camera experience at that time, but I was like, what do I have to lose? This could be fun. I like to talk and, you know, I'm social, whatever. <laughs> and so I sent them an email and they got back to me. I was like, oh, okay. Like, I didn't think I'd actually hear back. And then, like, nice. they end up calling. And um, it was a really kind of a fun process. It happened, like, probably within two weeks of initial contact. Um, they had me send in a video of me, like, DIYing stuff. And then, like, the next week, they're like, can you go down to L.A. and meet with a producer? And that was my first, like, cold audition. And basically, I show up, I meet this producer and these, like, homeowners, like, potential homeowners. <laughs> and they basically had a camera on me, and they're like, go. And I was like, huh. uh, uh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I just defaulted. And I'm like, okay, these are, like, clients, and this is what I would tell them in my normal job. Like, right. that's the only thing I know it's put. And I think it, it resonated in a good way because I think I was competing against a lot of like actors and like TV personalities and mm. hosts mm -hmm. for this job where like all I knew was really my trade and that I was friendly enough and bubbly enough that they ended up taking the chance and going with me. That is so cool. What was the process yeah. from, from that moment till the show started? Was it, was it quick? Yeah. So at that point I quit my job and, um, I told my boss and he's like, are you sure? I'm like, I'm sure. <laughs> I get that from a TV show. Like I'm good. Uh, although it was, uh, it ended up, that was probably like the, like the hardest financial year I've gone through because I ended up quitting my job. We did like a five episode pilot. And so we did five episodes and then, um, you, there's just, there's no normal on TV. Like there's patterns, but I've somehow catched, have caught the end of all of these patterns in my career. And right. so they did the five episodes and then they're like, okay, we're going to wait see how they air and then do more. So I'm like, okay, I'll start picking up my own clients. But of course, like I'm just starting and moving back to my like parents' house and like restarting my business. And so it was just a big transition year and we ended up not picking up till the next year to do more. Oh wow! So and I kind of was like, do I like not take clients? Do I take clients? Because like, I don't know how this TV thing works. So it was like a big question mark. So basically, I kind of bounced between real clients, starting my business and doing the TV thing. So that must um, have been tough. Did I answer the question? It, no, it definitely know. did. It definitely did. Yeah. But that must have been really tough, that kind of uncertainty, because never mind, as we've found out, right? So never mind running your own business, just the uncertainty that comes with that. But then throw in the idea of a television show, like, holy shit, like your world, <laughs> right. turned, I mean, our world turned upside down. We didn't know if, if Neil had gotten that, 
we may have had to have shut down our company because Which, he is yeah. the main person that's building those projects. So that must have been exciting about a, stress, a stressful time for you too, I would think. Totally. And then you have to decide if it's financially worth it. Right. right. It could be like your great 15 minutes of flame and then it just like fades out and then you got to rebuild your company. So it's, there's a lot to think about. And, um, luckily I don't have like a bunch of kids or anything like that. So I didn't have to worry about taking care of other people. I'm like, if worst case scenario, I moved back with my parents for a little while, you know? Yeah. So you had talked, I think on, um, I think I had seen maybe a story or or a post at one point about how to stay relevant in a, in, in social media or in in a media world rather, um, which I really liked how honest you were about that. I think you were talking about trying to do more videos and how much time it really takes and balancing that out with what you're doing on a daily basis to, you know, run your business. I found that it's hard to do both and I've had to decide like, (laughs) I mean, you guys are doing it too though. And you guys are killing it. And I love it. I love following you guys. Um, but it's hard to do both. Like I feel like it can take easily half an hour to an hour to curate an appropriate post that is going to grow or it's going to be like worth sharing. And you know, you do that a few times a week and then you want to put it on YouTube too. Um, I think what becomes difficult is competing against the people that aren't actually working that are full time, just concrete content creators. And then you have people like us that are actually probably the leading experts because we're hands on in the field and we're just trying to catch up by just throwing shit on the wall and see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, that's, that's funny that you say that. Um, the, uh, you just said a lot of things. That it's also totally... refreshing to hear that from you. It really is. <laughs> right. But, but so much resonates with us. I think we were kind of latecomers in a way to the social media. And a lot of that has to do with me because <laughs> I'm a total <laughs> creature of habit. Uh-huh. And I know that I get so mired down in the day to day of running the business that the idea of putting one more thing on my plate just was going to make my head explode. So I know Neil kind of has really taken the charge with the social media thing. But I do kind of go back and forth, and I'd love your take on this. Is it worth it? And how do you know if it's worth putting in this amount of time? Have you had? Have you gotten clients out of it? Has there been some other avenue that it's brought you that maybe was unexpected? I think this is a great question. And I was recently on a panel in Vegas for the IBS, and it's no, it's not the disease. It's <laughs> are, you, are you okay? Do you need to, to talk about it? It's the International Building Show. And that was one of the big topics we were talking about is like, is it worth it? And I think it depends. Like I I tell people like everybody should have like a landing page that at least has a couple of portfolio images that like if somebody because people are already on there and they want to look up your company if they're already like found you and they just want to see some photos, might as well have an Instagram. And maybe you're using it as a placeholder page. Um, And then I think it's a completely different thing to be trying to grow a following and gather an audience and becoming either a personality or like a public, not a public company, but like you're sharing everything. I feel like that is for people that are dedicated for sure. And I would say that I gain a lot of like confidence in terms of like knowing I can get clients because I'm constantly putting stuff out. But at the end of the day, like I'm not growing as fast as I want to. And I feel like I kind of was even late to, I should have started social media five years earlier than I, than I really started taking it serious. And, you know, I'd probably be a little further, maybe making more money doing it, but I keep coming back to, if I'm not enjoying this, it's not worth it. Um, and 
but as my personality, I like having an outreach. I like having a community. And even if like I'm around like 30,000 or so on, um, Instagram. Oh and my like, gosh, I'm bowing down to you. That is <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Thank you. But then I'm like, I want to be like at a hundred thousand, you know, like, like that's where it gets real. Right. And then, but I'm in the, you okay, see wait. like, I'm sorry. Um, 3,800 is about where it gets real. Let's, <laughs> well, um... you know, what's funny about the 30,000. <laughs> I have to interject because I yeah. remember coming home, um, the first night when I was in LA from meeting everybody at yeah. the studio. And I came home and I'm like, Samantha, there's this woman here, Sarah. She has 30,000 people did, on Instagram. She's been on television and I'm TED never Talks. Gonna get it. I'm never going to get this, it. There's this other guy. He's like gorgeous and he has a million followers on Instagram. Like, what the hell am I and doing he here? With cats, right? Yeah, because like, at that point, we had like thousand followers on Instagram. I'm like, what am I doing here? Yeah, like everyone's on their different like level, or whatever. But I have to say, I'm so happy that you guys are putting out content because you're putting out legit content that's helpful. At some point, I was just like, this is what I'm doing now. This is what I'm doing now because I'm like, I'm supposed to be doing social media, but I'm like, this content isn't actually that helpful. Like, there may be good for like people that are like fans, right. you know, like keep up with my daily life. But I'm like, this isn't like a YouTube to blog of my life. Like, right. so I've been in the last like year or so, I've been like. This is how you do this from step one, two, yep. three in the end. But it takes a lot more coordination than just throwing up a camera. So, but yeah. everyone has different strategies. So. And it, it's also a skill that you really, you've really honed on how to explain um, your way through the process. Like even the one of the li- last posts you did about the driveway you did, where you kind of poured paver kind of planks and you had the aggregate in the middle. You mm-hmm. really got into the finishes and really the thought process of the whole thing. And then you got the structural with the steel that we're using. So things didn't slide and um, that stuff's great. And I've, it took us a while to figure out that that's what people are really looking for is the insight and the, um, the proper way to build things. And uh, you really, you really get into the details of it, which I can really appreciate. (laughs) Thanks. I know, but I feel like it takes a little more work to do those things. But I do think that you've struck a really nice balance between uh, the detailed posts and the personal posts, because I think one thing that, again, that we've realized is that people do like to know who you are, mm. like really know who you are. So not just yeah. what you can do and how to do it, but who you are. So you've struck an amazing balance there. So kudos to you on that. Thanks, so- guys. So I love what you're putting out too. One video of your job site thing. Uh, I think it was like, a, it was a video of, I don't know, you had, it was like going through a few different things that showed both of you. And it was, I'm not being very descriptive. Whatever it was, that was put out great. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. All right. So we're going to delve into your past a little bit. Oh, here we go. Let's get personal. (laughs) I just got nervous. (laughs) (laughs) There's some things I know. No, I'm just just kidding. Not about my dating life, right? (laughs) (laughs) I saw, you know, on your website that when you were going to school, it looks like you were paying your, your, your way through and you were working for a landscape maintenance company and you were the forewoman. Which I loved seeing that. So it's, that's interesting on so many levels. So how, how did you get to that company? How did you get to that position being so young, probably inexperienced, I would think if you were kind of just studying school Um, and then you get kind of promoted to this forewoman position and um, forewoman isn't even a word that I hardly, I don't think I've ever heard before (laughs) for obvious reasons, right? Just. Yeah. Because you never think of a woman kind of in charge of any kind of construction crew, really. So talk about that. I came home from college. I was going to be there a few months. And I think I just ended up cold calling a few landscape companies, just 
wanting a job experience in the field. And uh, this one company called me back and it was this older dude. It had an office like kind of like in far East San Diego. And I came in for an interview and I remember there was another person going in for an interview and he like had his portfolio of like all his masonry work that he had. <laughs> and, and the guy just kind of was like, all right, cool, whatever, I'll call you. And then like we start talking and then we just like, we just like hit like a chord together of like, okay, yeah, like, I don't have in field experience, I can do this and that. And he's like, all right, let's give it a try. And I was just like, okay. He's And so basically I was in charge of maintaining all the city libraries in San Diego. And so we drove around this big truck and the, the biggest part of the job was, um, you know, trimming things up, fixing irrigation, and then uh, taking out all of the trash, <laughs> which was the least glamorous part. And I remember running into like this super pretty girl from high school that was like really popular. And here I am at the city library with like trash bags of like this most disgusting stuff and being like, oh God, this is what she thinks I've become. <laughs> you know, shame in that. Those are good jobs and they pay well. So basically, he put me in charge of like three or four people and it was a rotating crew. Like in hindsight, it was weird, but I didn't think about it at all. I just kind of like was like step A, step B, whatever. This is how it goes. And then I, I was maintaining a apartment complex once. And I remember this guy came out and he's like, oh, my God, you speak English. I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> right, he was right. like, I thought you were a migrant worker. I'm like, well, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, wow. Well, that's like, a whole other aspect. Huh? I will say I've noticed a lot more women in landscape maintenance and just landscape construction in general in the last yeah. like five, 10 years. Well, I think Sarah, you had a, a really funny post, um, a few months ago about how you were working in someone's yard and somebody, a delivery person, I think came in and it was just assumed that you were the homeowner. Um, yeah. Which does that happen often? <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> Interesting. It does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. New, any new people on site, they just assume like, oh, okay, you must be, you must live here. Right. <laughs> and some of these homes, you're probably like, yeah, you know, I wish I did, but I don't. Which is funny because yeah. I've gotten that in the past too. But I mean, I'm sure like both of us, probably you're covered in dirt. You're sweaty. You're not looking at your best. And I kind of look at these people and I'm like, really? You think I live in this house? Can you see me right now? <laughs> right. Do you... <laughs> Um, but I think I wrote back to you. I, I used to find it really hysterical. We have, um, a big dump truck. It's an F650 and you don't need a CDL for it. And it, um, our old one was a standard. Um, so I would drive that occasionally. And I remember this one time we were, um, doing just a small planting install and I had what I call my ladies crew, um, which is really like some of my gardeners, but we were just doing an install and it was pretty funny, right? So you have me standing at five foot two. We had this bombshell blonde who's awesome. One of my favorite oh, yeah, people. Sue. Yeah. Like five foot nine, blonde hair, blue eyes, and yeah, then yeah. a really a young, perky, yep. yeah. Like long hair, dark raven, like hair, just beautiful girl. And so we all jumped out of the dump truck, <laughs> you know, and it's on a busy street. And I swear to God, if you could have seen the way people were looking at us, like, what the hell? And I am so short that I have to have, a, I had to have a pillow behind me. So on occasion I would jump out of the dump truck and the pillow would like fall out, <laughs> which is a little embarrassing, but I could still just kind of like give them attitude. Like it doesn't matter that I have a pillow. I'm driving this badass truck. Right. And that was even 10 years ago. So even back then it was more, I guess, abnormal. In yeah, I was like 10 years ago, yeah, I mean, you could stop, you could stop traffic for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Probably did. That scene, yeah. <laughs> but I think that's yeah. one of the, 
real big um, special things about social media is people are starting to see everybody in these roles. And yeah. like our, our kids are eight and nine and they don't know anything other than how amazing and hardworking their mother is, whether it's Aww. in the office, no, seriously, or in the field. And that's just what they know. They see all these hardworking women that work with you and, um, you know, times are changing. It's, it's, um, and, and Sarah, you're like spearheading that. I just think it's absolutely. awesome. It is just absolutely <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yep. Dang. Yeah. It's certainly, it's fun. Like it's fun to be in this position and be a woman in this time and age. Cause I think we're really redefining what being a woman is mm-hmm. like, it's different than like from all other times. I feel like we're actually getting like <laughs> legitimate, like backing of like being equals in the job field. And uh, of course you still get your naysayers here and there, but they're far and few between at this point. Mm. Like it's pretty, like I don't get a lot of slack. And if it right. is, there's a lot of support. Nice. So right. because you're a general contractor, correct? So I'm that- a licensed landscape contractor, C27. Okay. okay. So you, can you tell us about, um, I know it's quite the process in California to achieve that. And, um, <laughs> what, what that means sure. for your everyday life. Cause you're in charge of, it looks like a lot of subs on the job. Yes. So there's a few ways you can like run your business because I do media. I basically have a, a landscape or uh, sorry, a landscape contractor's license. So I can design and install my own builds. I can also install other people's builds and I use subcontractors to pull in and I work with them. If I wasn't trying to do media, I would have employees that would work directly under me that I would, you know, 100% know exactly what jobs I'm putting on when. But because I'm still doing this dual career of trying to jump into TV shows every once in a while or working with brands, um, it gives me flexibility. So for a month or two out of the year, if I need to shut down just to focus on media stuff, I can do that um, without laying anybody off. Nice. Uh, but for getting your contract or your landscape contractor's license, you need to be working in the fields for seven years and then you can wow. apply to wow. <laughs> uh, take the test or um, they counted because I have a degree in landscape architecture. If you have like a related college degree in something, they give you credit for like one, two to three years of that. And then you have to show the rest as um, made up in working for other people. And you have to have those people sign in saying what you did. So working that landscape maintenance job in college, I was able to contact the guy that ran that company and say she worked from this many months. And then a few other contractors I had worked with uh, signed off. And then you study for the test. There's a law side of it um, or the legal side of it. And then there's like the knowledge side of it. And then you pass both. You can apply to get your license uh, and then you get your bond, you know, insurance and all that stuff. My goodness. So when we started, we started, we started in Rhode Island back Uh then you had to go, where did we go for this? It was a $50 fee, get your license. And they're like, congratulations, go build. (laughs) Yes. Which used to drive me crazy because we'd see. Well, wait, 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 wait. You did have to prove that you had liability. Okay. Yeah. Great. I feel like that again shows like what people think of landscaping. They're like, oh, go mow some lawns and yes. like trim some trees. And they're giving these people licenses that are digging trenches and building the foundations for like these huge builds. That's crazy. But one thing I wanted to, to kind of harp back on is because we've been talking a lot about different business models. So last our last podcast, we focused a lot on the idea of the, keeping your business small and how that's okay. And so even though it's kind of by circumstance that you GC things or work with other contractors, I actually think, that, think that's a really interesting business model too, because you don't necessarily have the kind of business head, uh, business overhead that, you know, someone like us with a lot of machinery 
has. So can you talk about that business model a little bit, what the benefits are maybe and what the, maybe the drawbacks are? I think the benefits are there's a lot of flexibility with it. Uh, yeah, the benefits and the drawback is, is I'm not guaranteed when, what crew I can bring when, cause they may get tied up on another job. So, um, I make money through landscape design and then I make money through construction. And then I also make money doing media mm-hmm. stuff. So I kind of, I would say I'm probably more of an entrepreneur than a traditional contractor. Um, anyways, but I like staying small. I like knowing my clients. Like there's this one job I've been working on for three months and they're like, we're going to miss you when you're not here. Like almost oh, every that's week. Awesome. Like, um, where I, I feel like I've had, had enough interest in potential clients that I could grow and probably run a few jobs at a time. But like, I keep going back to, I don't want to manage. I really enjoy being involved, but it does cap how much I can make. Cause you can only make as much as you can physically be at. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm with that model. But I do think there's huge opportunities for people that want to grow. Like landscape is a huge company, like a huge opportunity that you could take this model and take on multiple clients. And whether you're a designer, a turn contractor, or just, uh, you know, working for another contractor and just managing, like there's great ways to grow in the industry. I've just chosen to stay small and I want my jobs to feel unique and personal and have that like relationship with my clients. Yeah, no, we hear you on all that. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why we've stayed the size that we are. Um, are you guys friends with some of your clients? Yeah. Yeah. We've had, we've been invited to some parties, um, a wedding mm-hmm. celebration. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, we've, one of our clients took us to some football games, just like awesome stuff. Amazing relationships that I don't think <laughs> I never really, when we first got into it, I never realized that was going to be an asset to this whole thing. And that's been probably the most rewarding part of the whole experience. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I think gardening, we, we garden some of the projects that we've built and Samantha can speak to this where, you know, you're in continual contact with these people and that's, that's just great. You see their kids grow and just, it's just wild. Yeah. So when you say garden, are you saying like maintaining? So we do fine gardening for some of our projects. So we we only do it for projects that we've installed. And that's been awesome for me because I kind of, um, well, I experiment on every project. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, um, it's good to see what works and what doesn't work. Um, But yeah, it's been great because it's kept us on properties for years. So I really have been able to hone my planting design skills by seeing what's been successful where. So that's been Awesome. And that's really what brought me into this industry. I mean, just working with the plants directly, that's my passion. That's, that's what I love more than anything. And I'd be, mm-hmm. I'd be out there every day doing it if I didn't have to do a million other things. And there seems to be a huge gap in the industry between groundskeepers and then mowing blow blow landscape people yeah i think it's probably great that you do keep on but it's not is it profitable it is in 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 several different ways there's the hourly rate that i can charge and i try to account for throughout the year you know i try to figure out okay how many hours are we going to spend at this garden what are the gardening division air quotes (laughs) it's not like a huge division um you know but what are the expenses and so that helped me kind of figure out our hourly rate and then there's a slight markup on all the materials because that's part of how you figure out your profit. But the most important yep. thing is that it keeps us in people's yards. So when we see things not going well, we can then replace plants and then clients see us on the property. So we're always being, uh, we're always reminding them that we're here. So we've had other, we've had those clients yeah. come back and have us do additional projects or yeah. we're fresh in their mind. So then they can refer us to somebody else. So mm-hmm. I think it's it's profitable from a, a monetary standpoint because there's actually not a lot of overhead either for that division. 
Um, yeah. And then in a lot of other ways of future work that comes to us. And also you've been able to, I think, retain people like, so we have a woman that works with Lisa. She's huge for us. And um, she manages that aspect of our business, but she also does other things for you. So it, it just allows us to retain her, keep her interested and be like I a huge part of our hours. team. So it's, it, there's like a, there's a, a little cushion there for us, which I think the gardening helps with for yeah, sure. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And like you said, there is definitely a gap between that. And I think I could grow that side if I wanted to. Um, I just mm-hmm. only want to take on so much though. So, well, that kind of, it, it leads into our last podcast with Paul. Um, he's a real horticulturalist and he's someone who, if we could have do all the maintenance on like the lawn maintenance, everything on our jobs, we would, he just wants to keep his business smaller and he's really specialized with who he hires. But we were talking about for young people that are coming up in this business, know that us designers, we care so much about these projects and we really need people with that horticultural knowledge and passion to take care of these properties. So I think like you said, Sarah, there's a real opportunity there um, for people that are young in this business to really get into that, that, that aspect of it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I've been thinking about that too. And I was like, I should hit up a bunch of like horticultural students or people at community college and just employ them like, you Mm. know, on like doing a separate business almost from this. And then I'm like, this is probably the wrong time during a pandemic. Business. But the other benefit, Sarah, I'll say is that when you have those employees, that is the sole employees that we have that are billed hourly. So I don't lose any money on them. Whereas with the construction crew, you know, there's always downtime. There's always time you don't account for, but with the gardeners, every single hour is billable. And that's awesome. So another thing that I think makes you very interesting, and there are so many things, <laughs> is that <laughs> Where do we start? you seem, but well, you seem to emphasize um, a DIY approach, even with your clients. And it looks like from what I've seen that you try to get them involved in your projects as well. So talk about that, because that's kind of, that's very unique to me. Yeah, it's definitely, yes, it's unique because I'm kind of cutting my feet off on one end, but like at the same time, like, I, <laughs> you know, like I am a landscape designer contractor I want you to pay me for my services but at the same time like these are people's homes and like I love for them to be involved and that doesn't mean that there's not an opportunity to make money and I also realize that not all my clients have twenty thousand dollars and that's like low budget um to do something with their yard some of them are you know have five thousand dollars or have no idea like what something like this costs and I don't think that they don't deserve to have some leadership in terms of like what they can do. But at the same time, like I also like, you know, I'm not a nonprofit. So <laughs> I, what I do is I, I take all clients from all budgets and I do like paid consultations and I charge like $150 to go meet with them for like an hour, hour and a half. And like for a DIYer, I can shoot ideas, like sketch stuff up and leave them with that. Most of the time, um, if it's a big, if it's projects, that's going to be built. Like I draft something up, but for those in between people, like I want to service them too. And that way I walk away feeling like I've been, um, you know, I've been taken care of for my time, but at the same time, like they've been given a bunch of ideas that they can run with and DIY it. And like for this client that I have now, like they're a traditional client. We put a bid, it was like around a $70,000 landscape, but I'm out there and I'm like putting in stuff and then I've started to just make like maintenance videos of things that they should do, um, to maintain it. And then I'm just sharing it with everybody. Um, 
and I, th I think it's a good way to grow business regardless, because at the end of the day, as much as I want people to do their own yards, they're a large percent of them aren't. So <laughs> you're offering them though, um, a real visceral connection to their yard and to their outdoor space. Yeah, I think that's so important. I think that's why I love like landscape. We connect people to the outdoors and once we build spaces, they use them. And that kind of leads into my next point was um, I was listening to one of your TEDx talks. Is that what they're called? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and um, <laughs> I know it's only like the word Ted and X. I should be able to pronounce that you. correctly. Well, where have you been? Well, just, <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> was that a Samanthaism? Oh, that's a. Was that a Samanthaism? Big time. Okay. It's good. Ted, Ted X. Is that what it's called? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. You're a dork. <laughs> Anyways, you made um, a really good point on one of them. And I think it's something that I've just known in my head, but I've never verbalized. And it automatically made me thinking about, think about how can I deal with this? So you mentioned the fact that you find, and you're 100% right, that homeowners think more about how they're going to maintain their yards than the quality of their yards. And I just kind of thought that was a yeah. profound statement. I mean, I think it's something I kind of, like I said, know in my head, but didn't verbalize it. And it makes me realize, wow, you have to kind of deal with that right away first. So mm -hmm. what is your approach on that? How do you, how do you deal with that right away? With I, I think it's education and, um, it's different for everybody. And I've had some wonderful clients that are like right on board. They get it. They are involved in their spaces, but that's not realistic for everybody. And I understand that too. Like some people literally, they own these homes, but you know, they're working two jobs and they have kids and they have so much stuff going on. Like we just need low maintenance, just like concrete it over. And I'm like, okay, there's other options. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so it's kind of like walking through them through that and also just like educating them like, okay, like you can cover your yard from one end to the other with artificial turf. And yes, it's low maintenance, but what you're losing, you might not want. Like you are, you know, you already have a house that collects a lot of heat. And now you have, uh, you know, this artificial, basically it's plastic on the ground that's reflecting heat back and um, it's inorganic and it has a very different feel than say, what if we just did like a small lawn area that the kids could play in and we did some really low maintenance shrubs. Now, a few times a year, you're either going to have to hire somebody or bring somebody out to, you know, keep the weeds or maintain it. But it, as long as you know, like, hey, if you just came out quarterly and this is what you had to do, it's a lot more approachable than landscape scary to people. So yeah. I try to like, bring them on board to like a compromise of the two um, <laughs> hmm. to try and mitigate that because I, I feel like if people lead with low maintenance as their biggest priority, they are losing such an opportunity. And like we pay to go to these gardens, we pay to go to these spaces outside of our homes that are beautiful. And if you just kind of like, could compromise a little bit or find some sort of in between, like you can have these spaces too and not be overwhelmed by them. Right. Right. And you said a really brilliant thing too. Just what if you take that one hour a day that you might be playing on your cell phone and you actually <gasps> went outside. Yeah. And, and that's, worked, worked in your yard. that's the key too. you're, you're, you're pulling them outside and they may actually like it. Right. Imagine that. <laughs> they like it. Yeah. And I think it's like also knowing, um, if you give people like, okay, you know, in April, you need to spend like four hours, however you want, but that's on your to-do list somewhere. Like, you know, it needs to happen. It, what happens is people like they ignore the yard for a year and then it's covered in weeds and they're like, I can't do this covered in concrete yeah. or put artificial turf over the whole thing. And 
it's, you know, in our big cities, like it's a shame to lose open space. Yeah. yeah. That's smart of you, though, to break it down into these smaller little compartments that mm-hmm. they can wrap their head around. And I think that's a great approach. That's really smart. I can see that working because then people think, okay, well, I can do that four hours and I can do that in that month. It's yeah. Perfect. Or then worst case, I'll stop my maintenance company and be like, oh, here's your to-do list. There if you, you can't go. do it, just give me. Well, you, see, that's uh, what I do. <laughs> that's, that's my little tie-in. So I'm, work, <laughs> I'm working with a couple of people right now because I'm, I'm trying to get them to understand that based on the scale of their yard and the scale of their house, you can't have these little rinky-dink gardens. You, you have to set your home in an environment. And one of the best ways to do that is to use plants to do that. I mean, it makes all the difference in the world. And so the spaces are on maybe the larger side, um, but not unmanageable by any point. But I keep sneaking in. Well, listen, you're going to have us come once a month. <laughs> you're just going to have us come once a month and it's going to be fine. But in, in some, and in, in but fairness. I think your approach might be better. Right. But in fairness, Sarah, if you actually ended up doing the garden maintenance on some level, I mean, have you found that some clients don't want to let you go? Like you said, you, you get to know them over the course of the month. They don't want to see you go. They want you involved on some level. So it's interesting because yeah. we, we've gotten that. But yeah, definitely. Like I've had a few clients for sure want help with that. But I've kind of at this point have just been like, here's a number of a, mainta- a maintenance company because I'm just like, ah, I don't know if I can handle it right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So one thing that I think is kind of neat to talk to you about is, so we're on the East Coast, you're on the West Coast. So what is um what's it like building projects in california i mean what are some of the biggest challenges i think water right away um water conservation but i'd love to know what what you find is hard to deal with out there the obstacles are different in every region and i feel like i'm in a unique position because i've done television and because i've i travel in the spring and do home shows where i like in either kansas or I was in Raleigh earlier this year. And so I speak to all these people in all these different areas and everyone has different problems. And that's really interesting. But California specifically, yes, it's the water that creates challenge for people. You know, they want this big tropical garden, but it's not realistic or these big lush lawns that just sprawl the whole property. You can do it. It just costs money. And maybe it's not the most environmentally responsible thing to do. (laughs) So, but I do think like with, challenges or limitation there's opportunity and i think anybody with any problem solving like that likes problem solving it can be quite fun we can build year round which is awesome oh, i know that yes, that's yes yes you yes. had to rub that in didn't you <laughs> we're in one of the most biodiverse uh, places in the world actually which is kind of surprising san diego is and so i think there's also a sense of responsibility of trying to keep some of these open spaces And I feel torn when I meet clients that do want to just obliterate these landscapes and all do all hardscape or do just things that are inorganic, because I think that it's our responsibility to have a balance of both. And um, that's my personal challenge is um, being like, hey, you live in the middle of the city. And if all of our neighbors decide to pull out our lawn because we're low on water and put artificial turf, we are increasing our heat index for everybody. Plus, grass transpires, it breathes, it cools things down. Like, that can be helpful. And I'm not saying that everybody should have lawns either because then the other flip side is we're running out of water. Right. So um, there's great programs out here that help address that. But, you know, mulching, putting shrubs, doing like having balanced yards is important. And I would say everybody's yard is a little bit different. So you just kind of try and make the best decisions for the homeowner and then the bigger community. It seems like you can start to really educate them. Um 
in their own properties. And then hopefully that translates to a bigger picture for them and understanding of the community and your region. And it just, it branches out from there. And I do want to make a note, like I don't want to make it sound like artificial turf is the devil. Like I think every material could be looked at and criticized. Um, and I think that there's appropriate application there. There's like, you can have an artificial turf on, or you can have a real lawn. Like you can do all these things, just be conscious about how you're doing it mm-hmm. and not mindlessly. Mm-hmm. Hardscape has taken over. I feel almost the word landscape where I kind of have a hard time with the word because it is so paving based and built based where I rather just approach it like it's this environment and the plants are so integral and so important. Um, I hope that's not getting lost in today's design build world. I, I fear that it is in some places. So every little bit that, um, we can do on every project, I think helps kind of turn that around. I feel like you guys have a good balance with the work I've seen from you guys. You guys are very landscape heavy, but also your hardscape is incredible, like craftsman work, which is awesome. Um, I feel like you guys have a good balance, but I do, I have the same fear. Um, It's easier to make money in hardscape. You put it in once and for the most part, you walk away from it and it's good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, with, without, yeah, it's easy to have that. Gosh, when you have a balance, you can't deny a space that feels good. It, right. it always has plants in it somehow. Absolutely, because we'll do these. You know, the the the, hard, the 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 paving and the hardscaping that we're doing takes sometimes a month on some of these jobs, and then the day Samantha comes and just lays the plants out, even before they're even planted, that place is transformed immediately, and there's absolutely nothing like it and that is really the most exciting part of every job for me is seeing that place come to life and it just i don't know it's just everything it's just everything what what it is it is <laughs> the plants are so important so i mean we're lucky well i'm lucky in that i have her to, to make that happen um but i i don't i can't agree with you anymore um knowing your horticulture and pushing the plants and it just it it's everything Oh, I think we're embarrassing Sarah right now. It's like we should be in a room or something. Yeah. Well, oh, hey, you know. Jeez, <laughs> good Lord. <laughs> um, Neil, do you have any more questions? Well, I, I guess, how, how are you keeping yourself busy today It's oh, uh, right. with the, the quarantine? Technically, we're under home construction. It's not really clear if, like, landscaping per se is, like, pertinent or not. So it's been, like, this very fine balance. I have not been, like, working full-time, but, like, there's certain things where I had, like, a saw delivery coming before the quarantine started and I'm like well I can't let and this was like an expensive um sod like it was a California native sod I'm like well I can't let like you know $1,200 of sod just die because like we can't but I mean obviously if like you know police like barricade sure it's gonna die but <laughs> yeah at the same time like there's well, like home construction still going on so like there's another apartment that's like fully being built right now so we're like okay we're gonna go lay this but we're being selective about what we need to do and trying to be responsible and um luckily outside like you can really easily maintain your six feet between people but yeah for the most part we've kind of just buttoned up loose ends i'm not taking on new projects um i'm checking in on a few here and there like if i need to like add something but even like are you guys under quarantine or no it sounds like we're what what are we under it's been very confusing but it sounds similar to like what you're going through yeah, where I'll, they're allowing construction non, yeah, non-essential brick and mortar stores shops are closed but essential again construction is going on and landscape 
construction has also been green lighted as well as you yeah. take all the precautions. But in, in Boston, there's absolutely no commercial construction whatsoever. That's all stopped. Right. Yeah. Oh, which wow. is big. Yeah. Big. Yeah. No. So it's interesting. I think it's definitely going to slow. So I'm just, I have a few design proposals. I'm hoping I can just stay busy with design work as long as people aren't scared to separate with their money right now. So usually for us, um, April, April into May is when we get slammed with phone calls. And that's what kind of keeps us busy, usually late summer, fall, and even early spring sometimes. So I'm very yeah. nervous about whether or not we're going to get those calls. I've been surprised, though, because people are at home and they're staring at their landscapes and they're staring at their yards. Yeah. I've had a lot of people been like, can you please come? I'm like, uh, can we Skype? <laughs> but <laughs> right. you might be surprised because I think a lot of people are now having time to start thinking about these things. Yep. And I, I fingers crossed for you, but I think I feel like people will still be calling. Now that we're talking about being confined at home and Samantha hates these, these questions that I'm about to ask. So I got to do it. I got to do it. All right. So you're at home, right? We're talking yes. basic cable TV. A movie okay. comes on that you've seen a thousand and one times, but you you just can't resist when it's on. You have to watch it. What is it? Selena. Selena. <laughs> Boom. Good answer. A, I love it. <laughs> a book not related to the green industry. Oh, I just read Brave New Medicine. It's a doctor's unconventional path to healing her autoimmune illness. It was actually really good. It was about a doctor who was a Western doctor couldn't heal herself. And then, so she went to holistic and healed herself. Oh, cool. Anyway. All right. What song can you not get out of your head? Uh, Dua Lipa's, um, what's that one? Um, how does it go? Well, I guess it's not in my head if I can't remember. <laughs> I, it. I hate these right, questions because right. I can't ever remember anything. I wouldn't I be able to answer any of these questions. All right. Your go-to swear, like the one that says it all. You don't have to say. You can say the first letter. It doesn't matter. But it's a podcast. You say whatever you want. You guys think I'm classier, though, so I better not. <laughs> with, this, with, with this one? <laughs> Lots of F-bombs around here. Lots of F-bombs. I'm, yeah, I can curse. It's pretty good. All right. And my my last one. I beg. Can well, we let her go about her life already? I'm, ha I'm, having, I'm having fun. I'm having fun. The I've been looking thing. forward to this interview for a long time. Um <laughs> Certainly with everything you're doing on television, social media, there are young women out there that are looking up to you. What do you say to the next Sarah Bendrick? Wow. You, you know what? Probably the biggest thing that I learned, especially as being a female, is that um, I just assume that people know what they're talking about. And I, at some point a few years ago, maybe five or maybe seven, I just realized that these contractors that I were talking to don't know a lot more than I do. And once I realized that, I was just like, it's a level playing field. So, um, I mean, I'm not saying go out there and BS stuff, but you know more than you think you do. And like, don't be afraid to be wrong. And yeah. also like, when people are telling you how to do stuff, there's more than one way to do things too. I like that you said, don't be afraid to, to, to be wrong. And that, that took me a long time to get over. And, <laughs> and I yeah, honestly, and it's so refreshing to be able to say, I screwed up or I was wrong or sorry, Samantha, I talked to you that way. It's something I've had to learn through this whole process. And um, it's just, <laughs> it's made me better at working with everyone I work with. So well, I like what you just said, which is, um, you know more than you think you do. You know, yeah. like you, you give yourself credit, you know more. And I, I struggle with that for sure. I'm going to kind of keep that in my head. 
that was, yeah, that, was, that really spoke sure. to me. That just really spoke to me for sure. No, that's great. I um I want to talk about a passion project that I'm currently doing, and it's basically looking for women in construction. It started out of like a last minute idea of we had women in construction week a few maybe a month ago or so, and. I was looking for other people to highlight, and then I realized that this could be a way bigger project. And so I've compiled a list of about 100 people at this point, but I want to continue to search. And I don't really have like a definitive goal, but the idea is to get women in different job positions. So if you can see it, you can be it. And as of now, I have like a map drafted up with like the people that I have already where it has like their name and like their city. And then so you can click on this map and see like Amy Smith is a welder in Kentucky or whatever. And it's kind of an informal research project I'm putting together. So I want to put a plug if you guys know women in construction. And like I said, I haven't defined exactly what that means because through my research I'm like well who is in construction is a landscape designer that installs in construction I think so so yeah. I think um can I'm I going to raise my def- hand <laughs> <laughs> me, me. can I get on the list yes 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 absolutely um so yeah I, I was telling people if you're not sure just apply anyways and so I have even people that are artists that are kind of in those border categories, but I'll just like categorize them differently. But I still think they belong to be on this map. And um, so if you guys know women in construction on any level, like superintendent down to like uh, pipe welder, whatever, um, <laughs> tradies, if you could put the word out to hit me up, I'll send you guys a link that they can fill out this application. And I'm going to keep compiling all this information so we can share it with our female colleagues. So we feel like we are bigger than we know we are. That's awesome. That's awesome. Community right there. Yeah, we'll get that up for sure. And where else can we find you? Tell us everything. There's a lot. Your uh, book, everything, yeah. please. Oh, <laughs> uh, you can find me. Social media is great. It's Sarah without an H. So just Sarah Bendrick on Instagram. Same thing with Facebook. And then if you watch TV, I'm sure there's still rerun- reruns on DIY Network of Lawn and Order. I hate my yard. And I have a book called Big Impact Landscaping that you can find anywhere books are sold. Amazon's the cheapest though. Uh, (laughs) And then I've been doing a lot more on YouTube lately. Uh, So trying to build that up. Just Sarah Bendrick, if you want to search it. Are you guys on YouTube too? We are. Yes. Yep. Yep. We are slowly trying to. We're crawling into that. Yep. 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 So I'm at like 650 followers. So like. That's awesome. Hey, you got to start somewhere. We're like (laughs) at like 60 if that. (laughs) And we're only where we are because Neil sent out a text to every um, contact he had in his phone. Cousins, can you please subscribe aunts and uncles, help us out. <laughs> it was very organic. It was, yeah. a, it, was a, it was a demand. It was a demand. <laughs> you guys are going to be surprised if you continue at this. I, I absolutely see you guys rising in all your followings. Like well, you guys put out good. We are so appreciative to doing. I mean, to, to doing this with us, Sarah. Um, taking your time, and I'm sorry I took like an hour and a half longer than it was supposed to. <laughs> But our whole goal here is to elevate this industry, and um, you are a prime example of that. So we appreciate everything you're doing, and um, we're just going to be watching you from the East Coast, and who knows, maybe we'll see you um, with a six-foot, what is it, social distancing distance sometime in the future here. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Well, awesome for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please be sure to follow us at Landscapes and Pancakes underscore podcast on Instagram. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment where you listen to this podcast. And as always, check out our work and progress on magmadesigngroup.com and magmadesigngroup on Instagram.